everyone. I'm Becky. And this is Claire. And welcome to another episode of Podway. So in this podcast, we always talk about things related to musical, theaters, and plays. And in today's episode, we will be talking about chess. Okay, I think we should probably put this as a disclaimer. (laughs) Um, This was a bad selection on my part. I selected it before everything started. It has absolutely no relationship to what's happening in the world right now. If you're listening to us in the future, um, if you want to scroll back to the day we're recording it, which is March 8th, Maybe you can see what happened. Maybe you don't want to. That's fine. But it has absolutely no connection to what's happening right now. We just wanted to put it there. Um, Apart from that, Claire, how did you hear about chess? I'm going to say that for like maybe the 98th time. And I learned that from you, actually. (laughs) Shocking. (laughs) Shocking. What a surprise. What a surprise. Um, Yeah, I also didn't listen to anything from chess before preparing to this episode but I definitely have heard about it and just by hearing what it's about I really really wanted to tackle this musical I think I suggested three separate times before we actually committed to doing it this time and it didn't take in any of those separate times so I was super excited when we were preparing for this episode since it finally took any reason why you're so eager to do this one Oh, I, I knew like the synopsis of what it is about, or I knew the theme. So the themes for this, and which I'll explain later on in the brief synopsis and then the longer synopsis, it has a lot to do with chess, supposedly, and also about the politics of the Cold War, which I think is very, very interesting. It's interesting to have the parallel between the two in a musical form. So I thought it would be very analytical, very complex. It has ABBA in it. So I thought it would be something that would be enjoyable for the both of us, considering we were both rated Mamma Mia so high, considering like the psychological or like the um, strategizing within something like chess or within politics. It could be something that would be both up our alleys. I was mistaken, but I'll elaborate on that later on. So that was my rationale for really, really wanting to do it. But also, I have been exposed to chess my entire life, pretty much. So um, why won't you tell us what's your background with the game chess? Do you have any? No. I used to know how to play like the Chinese chess, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I have no idea what it was, what is actually called in English. I just call it Chinese chess because... It's like a Chinese version of chess, but there's actually a lot of different variation. I'm guessing maybe it has its own name, but in, in Mandarin, it's called Xiangqi. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm horrible at it, like horrible, horrible. My brother, on the other mm-hmm. hand, actually has had been going to classes and he was actually pretty good at it. I don't know why it just sounds cool. You know, like if yeah. you know how to play chess, feels like you're more strategic, like you think a lot and mm-hmm. um, you know how to think <laughs> rationally, which is. I think a, a skill that a lot of people lack, especially in this generation, because we don't really play that sort of traditional games that much anymore. But I personally mm-hmm. admire and like have great respect for people who play it. Mm-hmm. I will say that my really first introduction to like the game was from Harry Potter, actually. Oh, you remember from like the first movie, there was this part where they were playing the chess sort of yeah right mm-hmm. and that was the first time I saw it um media and so the western chess isn't really popular in Taiwan at least mm-hmm. not at the time when I grew up and I saw it in the movie and I was like whoa this is so cool especially they like actually kill you well, I mean <laughs> <laughs> 
literally destroying the positive. To kill you, imagine. And I was like, this is like such a cool. I never know the rules, even until this day. I still don't know exact rule, like the actual rules of it. Mm-hmm. But if you know, I'm not gonna disclose the geographic location, but there's actually um so around where we live, actually, there was this mm-hmm. one person on the street and he will always be there yes. almost every day the same location yeah and he, he will just be I there follow playing his chess. instagram really that's <laughs> yeah. cool yeah um that's i saw so him cool. and i tried to get my brother to go there so many times you have no oh, idea really? but i was always excited <laughs> i like as soon as i saw it because i go to that area quite a lot just mm-hmm. to relax and as soon as soon as i saw it you cannot believe how excited i was he wow. never came my brother but oh. um i hope <laughs> oh, no. that that person will come back in the summer and i can drag my brother to meet him do you play chess so um before i'm gonna expand on like my history with chess i only am familiar with modern chess unfortunately but um is anybody in your family playing chess like apart from your brother so did it get passed down from your parents from your grandparents my grandparents yes mm-hmm. my parents I don't know actually I don't I don't think so though okay interesting so yeah for us chess has been something that's been passed down from my grandparents as well so my grandpa from my dad's side really really enjoyed chess and he played with my dad all the time so my dad really really um got into the game itself and he uh, played it very very frequently he tried to teach every single one of us the game so m- my brother my older brother um me and my younger sister emma and it really took off with my older brother and i think like half at least half of all of our family friends we got through him playing chess with people i guess people who play chess normally are nice so mm-hmm. it's a nice activity to do together uh, I was enrolled in chess lessons when I was younger, my brother as well. So I definitely knew how to play, but I didn't have the kind of patience. So when I lose, it hurts me. <laughs> <laughs> and I think in order to become good at any game, you have to lose a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it never took off with me, but my brother and my dad really, really enjoy it. Apart from that, I'd say just chess as a cultural aspect is something that was very prevalent where I grew up. We definitely like grew up with the name of like Bobby Fischer and Gary Kasparov and the Polgari sisters and stuff like that all around us. So I have familiarity of the culture around chess a little bit more as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so with that aside, should we go into like a brief synopsis of the show? Let's I honestly should have had the brief synopsis first because we'll go straight from the brief synopsis to the very long synopsis, but let's do it anyway. So <laughs> um, this musical is loosely, and when I say loosely, Claire, I mean very, very, very loosely inspired by the match between Boris Pasky and Bobby Fischer. And the only similarity between the two of them, so um, the Fisher equivalent in here is Freddie, and Freddie is, of course, an asshole. Bobby Fisher is a famous asshole. Anyway, the story is about the chess world championship in 1979 and 1980 between the Western and Soviet competitors, and all of that while exploring deeper themes of the Cold War and conflict itself. So this musical, Claire... <laughs> It has a very rich history and it was rebooted and changed so many times. So let's delve into like a little history lesson here. 
So Tim Rice, who is usually Andrew Lloyd Webber, like longtime collaborator. I think they wrote like Aida together and Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, he wrote the lyrics and book for chess. And he wanted to write a story about the Cold War for a very long time. But Andrew Lloyd Webber was really busy writing Cats at the time he started to work on chess. So it was around 1979. So instead, he collaborated with ABBA's, which is a very weird combination, Tim Rice and ABBA, the male portion of ABBA. So I think there are two guys, two girls. Um, so the two guys are Benny Anderson and Bjorn Ulvius. Any Swedish people we have on the podcast listening to us, I'm really, really sorry. Um, and they wrote the music portion of chess. By the way of Jesus Christ Superstar, Chess first saw life as a massively popular concept album in 1984. And then in 1986, it opened in the West End, where it stayed for the next approximately three years. In 1988, the musical also got a Broadway opening, but the musical was completely reworked between the US and the UK version. Since then, it saw several revivals, and it played internationally in about seven countries, I think. It never won any awards during like the time it was on or any like really, really notable awards like the Tonys or the Laurence Olivier Awards. And the critics also had very mixed opinions about the musical itself. Just so everybody will have an understanding of which version we're going to be talking about today. Today, we're going to be reviewing the 2008 Chess in Concert with Josh Groban, Idina Menzel and Adam Pascal. And it follows mainly the British version of the musical, but it adds two songs from the American version, which are the prologue and somebody else's story. Sorry, someone else's story. And from what I gather, according to Tim Rice, this is kind of like the definitive version of the musical. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Uh, that's the reason why I chose it. I think like you messaged me it's like, um, what, what is this? Which one is this? So that's the reason why like I thought the 2008 would have been the good one to go with. If you're used to seeing one version, having seen the other version afterwards will probably be like a slap in the face, like what's going on here. That's, I guess, to people who actually really enjoy chess. So, yeah, it's very, very confusing. I don't think we had any other musical that was quite like this in terms of production history. Mm -hmm. Okay, should we go into the full summary? Sure. Let's go. So the musical opens with the alleged historical background of chess as a game. So as an aside, I couldn't really find out if the story they tell is correct. It definitely did originate in approximately like the early 7th century in India and was then brought over to Persia where it was worked on and refined. And then it was spread over to Europe and Russia as early as the 9th century. But they have like a story they tell us that chess was developed when two brothers fought for a Hindu throne and their mom was upset with one brother who won and the brother wanted to prove that he wasn't responsible for this so to show her proof with simulated pieces he invented chess this i couldn't confirm anywhere but it is possible that i didn't like look deeply enough and there are some historians that believe that that was the case but i couldn't verify this according to what they say in the musical after that whole occurrence in india it reached persia where it was refined and then finally it got to constantinople when it fell And when it fell, many refugees fleeing to Europe had chess pieces and sets um, with them. And that's the reason it quickly spread throughout Europe and evolved into modern day chess. So that is their story. 
Next, we're introduced to the chess world championship taking place in Italy in March of 1979, where the current world champion, uh, Freddie Trumper from the U.S., will defend his title against Anatoly Sergeyevsky from the USSR, with the first contestant to reach six victories being declared as champion. Freddie and his personal assistant Florence arrive in Italy and the international press isn't super kind to Freddie, which he doesn't mind as long as he gets like money and attention. And considering his character, as I mentioned before, is based on Bobby Fischer, I think that checks out. So Freddie complains that the press don't like him without any willingness to change his behavior for the better. And he complains that the press likes Anatoly, but not him. Florence begs Freddie to not go off about the Soviets at the press conference for once in his life. And naturally, Freddie does exactly the opposite and goes off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Freddie has been mouthing off about Anatoly constantly in the press, we find out. And finally, he gets violent with one of the reporters and storm off the conference when one of them asks a rude question. Um, but apparently this move was actually carefully calculated for publicity. This is not something that I personally got from this, but I read ab- about it like later on. Did you get that it was like a calculated move? Not really. Do yeah. You? No, I didn't. I was surprised to read about it afterwards. I was like, there is a mention of Freddie throwing tantrums for publicity, but that's later on when he throws a tantrum at the like tournament itself so this one I didn't get at all yeah Um, so I was really really shocked to read this I think that that's something they need to refine but okay meanwhile we have Anatoly who is the USSR competitor and his advisor uh, Molokov reading the paper and reflecting on Freddy Molokov says Anatoly has nothing to worry about because Freddy is insane while Anatoly counters with the fact that he shouldn't underestimate him He is then reminded that the result of the game will reflect on the entire USSR as this was during the Cold War and the competition between the US and USSR was really, really intense at the time. Molokov tries to push him to ensure his win by playing dirty and seducing Florence since she's Freddie's weakness, quote unquote. The two group after that congregate before the beginning of the game to discuss the implication of the game outcome on the Cold War, each of them vowing they won't lose. They're followed by the Arbiter, who wants no shenanigans during the game and wants the game to be about chess and chess only. The game begins and ends very, very quickly when Freddy storms out. And that's kind of like the calculated move that he talks to Anatoly about later on. This, I got, was calculated and, like, there was a reason for that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. The rest of the team, including the Soviet delegation and Florence on Freddy's behalf, argue about the next steps resulting from Freddy's behavior. So the Arbiter decides that the contestants have 24 hours to return to play, otherwise the match is void. Tensions heat up between the two camps, but Florence tries her best to keep it together. She arranges for Freddy and Anatoly to meet, but Freddy is very reluctant due to his strong hate for the Soviets. He calls Florence a traitor since she was born in Hungary shortly before it became a satellite state of the Soviet Union. Florence's father was part of the failed uprising in 1956 in Budapest, Hungary's capital, and went missing as a result. Florence actually never found out if he even lived or died. Freddie doesn't show. Oh. I just want to say, like, some versions have Florence and her dad in the beginning, right? The American version, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I thought that would be actually so much nicer. I personally yeah. would prefer that. You would? Because I think in the American version, um, they got, like, an actor. Like, the they have a deal later on, and they got an actor to impersonate her dad, and it's not really her dad. So I feel like it would really 
change the outcome even more. Mm-hmm. But I really understand the need to have more connection to the yeah, characters. Yeah, like more motivation even. Yeah, oh my just god. It's like this dad in the air. And I mean, because it's the dad that we know that we should care. Yeah. But then it's just so hard to connect emotionally. No, listen, this was yeah. my complaint throughout the entire musical. I have like pages and pages of my complaints about this <laughs> later on. So believe you me, I agree 100% with this criticism. Okay, good. It's funny because when <laughs> I watched it, um, I was reading the Broadway plot summary mm. and it starts by oh like when Budapest is like whatever and then Florence and her dad is having this conversation about the history of chess so I looked at the I forgot what his name was but like the judge like the arbiter yeah and he was singing about the history of chess right yeah like the story of chess and I thought that was Florence's dad <laughs> until oh. later he shows up I'm like what is happening and I realized I was reading the wrong thing anyways uh, that's just like a side story oh my god I feel I feel really bad I really <laughs> should have warned you about this because I knew there was uh, a lot of differences in productions and yeah this is an oversight on my behalf I'm sorry Claire <laughs> <laughs> oh good um, oh good but at least you learned like something about the American version I don't know if it inspires you to watch it later on or something but yeah <laughs> maybe maybe perhaps <laughs> dubious <laughs> um yeah so going back to the summary so we are at the point where freddie and anatoly are supposed to meet before deciding if the match is going to continue or be voided so freddie doesn't show up to the meeting so florence has to represent him instead all i can do is echo josh groban here i hope he pays you what you're worth because mm-hmm. oh my god this is so not worth it sweetie just quit just quit <laughs> what she does later on anyway anatoly and florence have chemistry but their nice moment is ruined by you guessed it freddie who again accuses florence of being a traitor and reminds her of her dad <laughs> i cannot with freddie i cannot he makes me so angry i have no idea <laughs> oh, um yeah, so after she leaves, uh, Freddie tells Anatoly his publicity stunts scored them more money and therefore their meeting is unnecessary. So after that drama has been beaten down and tossed aside, the actual chess tournament can continue. So I personally couldn't believe that the most sympathetic character so far for me is the Arbiter at this point. But at the end of the first day, the score is five wins for Anatoly and one for Freddie. Freddie, in a truly admirable feat of self-sabotage, is taking his anger on Florence, causing her to leave. And then after she does leave, he feels really, really sorry for himself. Mm-hmm. So day two, Freddie concedes the match, making Anatoly the new world champion. After receiving his title, Anatoly leaves the Soviet Union and seeks asylum in England with Florence's help. Good for both of them, to be honest. They need to know what they're worth, and they're finally figuring it out. Florence sings about her feelings toward Anatoly, which I personally would have been all for if he didn't mention just before that he has a wife and two kids. Yeah. (laughs) That was like... Did you find their romance? I thought it was so out of nowhere. I agree with you so much, Claire. (laughs) Yeah, I had to, like, go back and rewatch it because... One second, they're like singing about something that is totally irrelevant. And then the next second, they were like, oh, Freddie can jump off from the mountain. I don't care. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, since when? What happened? Oh, my God. Um, okay. So fast forward to a year later. This year's championship is taking place in Bangkok. 
Uh, Freddie is there to report on the match rather than to compete himself. Anatoly became a British citizen and thus represents the West now, while Vigand represents the Soviets. Vigand was his second, uh, which is like the person who was helping out with the competition. I didn't mention him before because he is or was irrelevant. Uh, Anatoly is distracted from his games by Freddy coming to the match after a whole year of silence. He confides in Florence and is concerned Freddy really came back to win her back. Florence warns Anatoly in return that his former advisor Molokov is planning on bringing his wife to the match to distract him. On top of it all, Anatoly is absolutely grilled to perfection by Freddy, who is for sure enjoying every single second of this. We find out Molokov was the orchestrator of the interview, and he worked with Walter from the American delegation. Molokov finds out that Florence's father is alive, supposedly, and arranges with the Americans to bring him and others back in exchange for making Anatoly lose and come back to the Soviet Union. On a side note, every single time I wrote Molokov's name, it ultimately and constantly changed it to Molotov, like the cocktail. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that was fun. I was constantly fighting with the spell checker. So this section is going to be full of people trying to apply pressure on Anatoly and Florence and then refusing them every single time. So strap in. First, we have Svetlana, Anatoly's wife, coming to try and convince Anatoly to lose the match. If she does so successfully, they can live wherever they want peacefully If Anatoly wins, both her life and their kids' lives are going to be quote-unquote difficult. Second, the American delegation applies pressure of their own on Florence by revealing her dad is alive and offering to release him in exchange for Anatoly's forfeiting. Florence refuses the deal. The Americans decide to whip out the big guns and get Freddy to tell Anatoly about Florence's dead dead dad <laughs> freddie <laughs> says throwing the match would be the purest form of love and freddie would know of course anatoly refuses and the last resort freddie and the americans and the soviets have is to appeal to florence and ultimately last time for the section she refuses Freddy decides to have a redemption arc at the 11th hour and strategizes with anatoly regarding his gains he reveals clinical critical weaknesses in vegan's game currently both anatoly and vegan have five points so the next match will decide a championship anatoly makes his choice and decides to win but it's bittersweet because both he and florence mutually decide anatoly should go back to the ussr to free florence's dad even though they both still love each other hold on a second oh oh oh, okay (laughs) at this point do you understand why he wants to go back or like why he goes back yeah i mean i think he his motivation to going back is definitely Florence's dad and freeing him. And Florence, I think, from her side, believes that he should be with his family. That's so weird. Okay. Because I, I didn't understand why he leaves in the end. Uh, like if he wants to be with his family and mm-hmm. eventually go back to USSR, yeah. why didn't he just lose the game? so mm-hmm. that he and his family can oh this play. this i got i mean he wanted okay. to have it all like obviously he cares about chess and he definitely cares about winning that like that's his 
ambition, he can be very selfish. And that's kind of something you don't find out until the very last moment, which I have issues with. But um, he really, really cares about winning and he cares about his reputation. So he doesn't want to lose. Like losing is a reason why he doesn't follow up with all of the offers he's been getting along. So he wants to win and as a winner, come back and have all these things happening to Florence and for his family and so on. Yeah, that was the reasoning that I had at least for why he decided to go back. But I don't think it's explained super duper well. And we will talk about, I'm sure when we go to the analysis, the motivations are very iffy. But just to wrap it all up, at the very end, Florence is approached by Walter from the American delegation, as we remember, who tells her her father would be freed. That is to say, if he is still alive. So they don't even know. Florence, realizing she was played, is crushed, and this is where we end it. Okay. Do we have anything to say about the prologue? No. Yeah, I don't understand why they would take the time. So the only two songs they added from the American version to the British version in the 2008 concert is the prologue and then someone else's story. Yeah. Someone else's story, I still kind of understand, though I'm not a big fan of that song. But what on earth would you do with a prologue? It's literally nothing. Yeah, I don't get it. Anyway, the story of chess. What do you think? I think it's a nice beginning. I like mm-hmm. how it starts by telling us uh, the history. I'm done. I explained the history before, no. <laughs> Sorry? I explained the history before, no. I know, I know, I know. Okay, 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 okay. okay. I thought you have. is this all you have to say about the song? Yeah. Uh, look, that's it? Yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. That's a very short. <laughs> Sorry. I was a lot of, I don't really to... have a lot of things to say for. Listen, there's so this... many songs in here. There are so many songs. Mm. And this is a two and a half hour long musical. And okay, I will again talk about we are at the song section. So all of our grievances will be heard. What do I have to say about the story of chess? I think it's nice, again, um, just like you, that they inject some history into it, even though the history is alleged. Um, the sequence of events sounds about right. Considering they have a story here, it would be nice if they would connect it more to the modern day story they are telling in this musical. Um, so I couldn't find out, as I mentioned before, if they made up the story for the musical or something they got out of somewhere else. And I'm sure there are several legends on how chess was invented. But if it is something that they did make up for the musical, maybe the two brothers could have fought over a girl, therefore connecting it more to the love triangle the story is actually about. So I really wish they've done something like that. I think they tried in different places to continue and push the allegory of chess as a political game between the US and USSR, Mm -hmm. which is a very tired comparison and allegory. You see it used very, very, very frequently. So that is not something that I think is a close enough direct comparison to the story of chess as I would have liked. So that's my main criticism with the song. The song itself, I think, is pretty good. It gives the musical a very serious and regal almost tone, which I think is mainly sustained during the musical. I would have enjoyed it a little bit more if some of the major actors actually sang some verses from the song in a way that's a bit more impactful on their character. So it tells us something about them. So the person who mainly sings it is the arbiter, but I think if they'd done something similar to the opening song from Sweeney Todd, for example, it would have worked a lot nicer. Mm-hmm. Okay, this one I have a lot of beef with. 
not because of the song itself, but because it represents many, many other other occurrences in a musical where it happens. But what do you think about Murano? What a scene, what a joy. I think the song itself is fine. I've been to somewhere close to Murano, which is really close and in Northern Italy. And I can agree that Northern Italy is like such an amazing place. So beautiful. It's very different from the Southern Italy and it's Mm -hmm. mostly German, (laughs) um, like the language wise. So when I traveled there, it was so hard to guess what the words are because I think Italian and Spanish still has some similarities. But when it comes to German, I have absolutely no idea. But anyways, Mm -hmm. it gives you that Switzerland vibe, which is just so beautiful. So when they sing about how beautiful this play is, like just the scenery and everything, like I believe them. Oh. Yeah, I would definitely love to visit someday based on what you're saying. It is really, really lovely. I have absolutely no experience with Italy (laughs) as a place. (laughs) I can't really comment for my own personal experience, but I can talk about the song. So the song is the first in a pretty significant line of other songs that have absolutely no bearing on the plot, but just describes the setting a little bit more. And it's so absolutely unnecessary. And the music feels really generic in this case. I think and this is if you all watched Shrek I'm sure the majority of you did did you watch Shrek Claire I did okay cool. first one though yes that is perfect yeah so if you remember when uh Shrek comes to the kingdom Duloc they have the little song with a puppet welcome to Duloc I do not remember it's a song there take my word for it so if you substitute Murano with welcome to Duloc I think it would fit perfectly no one would notice a thing and that is irritating to me I think the song is unnecessary it sounds generic and it it has no bearing on the plot with so many songs involved in this musical I don't need extra songs that have nothing to say I just Mm -hmm. don't need it it's so frustrating and you said yourself I think like it can be very very difficult to say something about some of the songs here because there's so many (laughs) yeah that's true should we move on to commie newspaper slash press conference? Uh, sure. Okay. So um, both songs are just mad to me musically. The high note, especially in commie newspapers, is a little bit too sharp. But I like how we get to see a lot of character from Freddie in these two mm-hmm. numbers. You can see just how typical, how shallow and how arrogant he is just mm-hmm. from the way that he talks. And by the way, I do appreciate this combination because I don't think there was a duet between Maureen and Roger in Rent. So we never really get to hear them sing together necessarily, but I think they work actually quite well together. I agree with you 100%. And thank you for reminding me. The actress who plays Florence, of course, is Idina Menzel, legend. And she plays, uh, what's her face from Runt? Maureen. (laughs) Maureen, thank you. And then the actor, um, Adam Pascal, who plays Freddie, plays Rogers and Rent, And he's also, of course, a legend. So Josh Groban is one of my favorites. And he plays Pierre in Natasha Pierre in The Great He's also very, very famous for his albums that he releases outside of Broadway. He started many, many other Broadway production and he was in Glee. So yeah, I managed to insert Glee into this episode. Yay. I know. I know. <laughs> well, what I was trying to say is great cast and yes. I enjoy hearing them sing. I feel like Adam's voice works so well for the character of Freddie because it just yes. sounds so American. <laughs> 
he does. in a good way in a good way but it just the way that he presents his vocals very like aggressive and powerful mm-hmm. and I think that is exactly the image or like the character of how Freddie is supposed to be and I really enjoy that I feel like he has a lot of he adds a lot of depth into him too especially like later on his solo fantastic mm-hmm. anyways we'll get to that but cool. um just from these couple I guess first numbers that you really get to see what kind of person Freddie is I don't really feel like I get much of a personality from Florence necessarily I agree but she just comes as a very powerful very strong woman to me Mm. which I'm not sure if if that's necessarily how Florence is supposed to be because I feel like she was kind of like the bridge or like that person in the middle like between the east and the west so I'm not sure if if she was supposed to be come off as a powerful strong female but Mm -hmm. that's the way that I I guess got it like I perceive it Um, yeah but yeah but what do you think so I think I was personally relieved because finally this is the first song sung by the actually important characters in the cast and that's just mind-boggling to me that we had to wait until the fourth or third depending if you have the prologue or not song in order to hear people who are actually relevant to the plot I think it's a really great introduction to Freddie, much like what you said. His character and personality couldn't be clearer. And in addition, his hatred for the Soviet is really front and center here, which is an important aspect of his character. The issue that I have with him, though, is we never find out why he hates the Soviet so much. Like Florence, we get her complex history being from Hungary during the uh, uprising and uh, the family connection there. But Freddie, we know absolutely nothing about why he hates the Soviets in particular. We get a little bit more background about his family and why he treats people the way he does, but not about the Soviets specifically. There is also a line that whenever I listen to it in the cast recording, it always sounds so odd to me. Can you guess it? No, because I don't remember any lines. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. The line is, they say I'm a shit. And I don't even know why it sounds so odd to me. I think when I say, when, when people say something like that, I usually think like, oh, they say I'm a little shit. Or they say, they say I'm shit. Um, I'm really sorry. We have very young like audiences listening to me. <laughs> And to us, and I feel like this is something that is not uh, I'm sure that language already. Yeah, okay. I feel I always feel bad when I curse because of this, but um, it just makes it feel really weird for me. But maybe our UK audience, maybe Australians also partake, I don't know, can educate us. Is they say I'm a shit, very, very common phrase there because Tim Rice is the one who wrote the lyrics, obviously, and he's British. So my guess is this is like a Britishism that is converted to an American person saying it. Um, mm. But yeah, that was my weird hyperfixation of the musical episode today. So <laughs> on the other hand, Idina Menzel belting so cheerfully, they tore you to pieces in five different languages, gave me life. And all in all, I actually really enjoyed their song. And at this point, they have really, really sweet dynamic. They have good chemistry, especially at the point where she asks him not to go off. And he does exactly that the moment later. I think it was a very cute, like petulant child and aggravated mother almost in this case and I find that they gave the media also a pretty distinct song if we're going to the um, press conference side of this because it comes up again and again in different situation whenever the media is involved and I think at some point Freddie even has few melody lines from it when he does the interviewing so I thought it was really really cool okay next one is Molokov and Anatoly slash where I want to be I 
want to say narratively this reminds me of the recent sports scandal i think we talked about it the other day when we were talking about winter olympics but all the things about like no using drugs and like you know making sure that the athletes win or whatever like the sports is just never really about the sports whether it's like athletic sports or just games like chess like this which mm-hmm. is just really sad and i feel like for um whoever is participating in the sports is just really unfair you can see it from anatoly for sure that he he didn't want to play this game but then he had to right and in terms of his solo where i want to be i know it's one of the big numbers from this musical i personally think is a is a powerful song but i, I don't think it's his best like i prefer his oh. other solo i think it's still a really Anthem, good you song. Mean? yeah okay yeah <laughs> okay i was like i was trying to remember because i prefer this one so i was like what is this other oh i see <laughs> i see i personally love josh groban so much as a singer his voice is just everything to me so i cannot agree with you enough in this case this is my favorite out of his solos i really enjoy the existential dread the ennui i don't know if i'm using that word correctly even but (laughs) (laughs) i really like the anger in there and the expressiveness in there i think it's a good character introduction to anatoly and the conflict surrounding him the pressures he will encounter at every single step of the way when he just wants to play chess and nothing else and yeah yeah I feel great about this song the middle of act one has really really good bangers and then in my opinion it will go a little bit downhill from there but mm-hmm. next one is actually my favorite song which is difficult in dangerous times I think it should be the header for the 2020s in general again the episode is not related to um, but I had the same instant love for the song as I had to Raise in America from Bonnie and Clyde. I have no clue why I like the song so much, but I just like literally love it first sight. I love Idina Menzel's outfit here though, because for me, it's pretty much what I wear on the daily minus the blazer. So the outfit choice for her is A++. The song itself is crowned as my favorite. What are your thoughts? I really like the song too. Yay! Okay. <laughs> part of it because it was so realistic, like, especially the part is like, oh, we welcome peace as long as our man wins. And I'm like, yes, of course. <laughs> and it's actually so catchy mm-hmm. for a song that is set to be, you know, at this very sensitive political background. I think it's so light and so catchy, so enjoyable to the point that I think it's interesting because mm-hmm. you would assume like a lot of things especially given the context, would be more on the heavy side or more on the serious side. Mm-hmm. But they managed to slip in numbers like this that's just catchy and sort of even fun to, to listen to. And I appreciate that because otherwise I don't think I can just sit through the entire two and a half hours with a really heavy theme, really mm-hmm. heavy story plot line and really heavy music. So yeah. I do enjoy um, and I appreciate that balance between seriousness but also sometimes like really fun and catchy numbers and this being one of them like is is definitely doing the trick for me especially we just come from the really serious solo like where I want to be and then we have this so Mm -hmm. it definitely helps you to like lighten the mood up kind of yeah a hundred percent this song is great I'm so glad you you agree is it your no it's not your favorite is Anthem your favorite oh it is hard I'm really having a hard time choosing my favorite between the two songs but I'll let you know when they come okay cool next one is the arbiter 
Um, personally, I am endlessly entertained by the dancing here. They have the weirdest <laughs> dancing in this musical, don't you think? I think so too. It was so <laughs> awkward, so funny. It's literally so weird. Like the arbiter is just doing his thing in the middle, and then you have dancers out of nowhere, just like vibing. So random. Yeah. So random. And it's so awkward because he was keeping a straight face. He was yeah. so serious. He is always he... so serious. Yeah. And then <laughs> At the back, you just have like all these backup dancers, and they are like wearing <laughs> sun- like sunglasses and and suits, and they're doing all these really funny dance moves. I don't know. I find it so funny. I don't know if that's the effect that they were having in mind, like the more of the comedic effect. But it definitely came out. No, as- I swear to God, it, like they're playing it straight. This is supposed to be played straight, and obviously, like <laughs> the dancers, I think at all times except for maybe one night in Bangkok, are supposed to be um, chess pieces. Or something along those lines. I don't think it's necessarily clear, or they convey the game of chess all that well. But it's so strange. Yeah. Um, in terms of the arbiter himself, I don't know. I'm not completely in love with his performance or voice, or just something about it that doesn't agree with me, even just from the cast recording. But the song itself is just so memorable. It's straight up a bop. And I think I'll remember like this one line. What is it? From square one, I'll be watching all 64. Such a good line. And even though I think it's tonally like the performance doesn't fit that well because he has such a serious face and then everybody around them are just vibing, doing their thing, dancing. I really enjoy the campiness of it because like it's so it's so weird like this with the white gloves and everything around that. It just feels so entertaining without necessarily meaning to mm-hmm. he actually kind of reminds me of Hugh Jackman he does he does right? totally yes <laughs> even his voice I don't know and it, I felt bad because I think in the beginning when he introduced all the people he says like he was Scotland's pride or something I don't remember the actor's name but I was like am I offending the entire Scot like Scottish people nation or something like that like am I doing something really really bad by not liking his performance <laughs> but I enjoyed the performance I didn't enjoy necessarily him uh all that much so I didn't dislike him I enjoyed the moment as a whole mm-hmm. immensely mm-hmm. um next one is him to chess and the merchandiser and why won't you start with this one actually I was actually going to say that aside from the fact that it's impressive that it had fireworks I have nothing to say (laughs) I know okay so this is another issue here because it just has too many ensemble numbers and I talked about in the Morano what a scene what a joy when it's like the welcome to Duloc thing just so so many ensemble number the music balance here is just so off because the thing that we care about that is going on is mainly the storyline and the characters and these particular ensemble numbers don't advance either of them now in my opinion we'll talk about more later on there are also many solos that are relevant so this is another issue but they also don't give us that much info into the world of the musical in general like the these kind of pieces are supposed to give us a little bit more info into the scenery like with Morano like with him to chess just like feeling the moment of it but I don't think it justifies its existence at all and you know you should just you, pick one they should just exactly pick one. exactly if you remember stuff like uh like wicked they had dear old shiz and they had like one essentially song that sets the scenery of the school and i think that's fine even two or three throughout the entire long musical that's fine as well but we just have two too many we're not even halfway through act one and this is the third one that's uh, true that's yeah true. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I appreciate the energy of the cast and the production value with the cheerleading and the dancing and all that kind of stuff. It's just a waste of time. I, I honestly, I didn't think the cheerleading was necessary, to be honest. It, it was so out of place. I don't know if that's actually what people do for opening night of a chess match or something, mm. but then it's not like, I don't know, like a rugby game or something. <laughs> like, you don't know. have to have cheerleading here. It's so weird. It's so American, too. Yeah. Um, and like chess is not a physical sports as well so I just didn't really get why they need to have this they can definitely cut it mm-hmm. do you want to talk about chess game number one well I honestly totally thought that there was going to be a song during the match yeah and I was surprised to see that it decided to go with the instrumental song and you just ha- you just see two people doing their thing on the stage mm-hmm. but I do like the fact that they use dancers as chess and I thought that was kind of clever and it's elegant it's pretty it has a lot of grace to it I guess but it's just very slow I don't know like the tempo of between numbers can be a little bit weird sometimes like with the merchandisers super energetic high mm-hmm. energy cheerleading and then you have this ballet style instrumental yeah. chess song so for me, like the way that they arrange the numbers and the way that they jump between energies, mm-hmm. whether it's high or low, whether it's serious or it's more like just something to lighten the move- mood up, it's, mm-hmm. it's a little bit confusing and mm-hmm. it doesn't flow very well. Um, but if you just look at this instrumental number by itself and I thought, okay, it's actually quite nice, I guess. I think that's literally what they did with so many pieces here. So like sometimes it works when you have memory and you just put the entire production around memory as the piece. But in here, they just have so many other pieces that they had like in their mind and they just try to connect them in a way that doesn't work tonally. Like the really, really big piece from production, this musical is One Night in Bangkok. It charted in the US top 100. It became like a really, really big one hit wonder from this particular production. Actually not this particular production, but like the original chess. Um, and tonally it's completely different. They did it with quite a few other songs, I believe, that they just wanted somewhere to put them because they came up with something that sounded nice, but they don't work together at all. And I think that's such an issue in here. In terms of chess game number one, I have to say I have a different opinion than you. So the dance, I agree, is very, very pretty, but it's a little bit bizarre. Like I promise you, whoever created the show and is in charge of all the changes, we can have the attention span to just stare at a chess game for a few moments, just for the music to ramp up in the background until Freddy storms out. We don't need an elaborate dance. I appreciate that we have the dance, which Again, granted, it's really beautiful. It is supposed to represent what is going on, obviously, because the dance stops when Freddy storms out. But I don't think it does a good enough job to represent what it is at. So, like, I don't think it's that clear through the dance what is going on on the board. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit frustrating to me. Okay, that's fair. I have nothing to say about the Arbiter reprise. I just thought it was funny. Okay, yeah, I agree. <laughs> and it's out of nowhere. And there I was agree. a line where he sings, like, I don't like women. And I'm like, okay, oh my God. how about men? <laughs> the misogyny <laughs> in this musical, oh my God. Um, we'll get to that song, actually. But uh, Quartet, a model of decorum and tranquility. 
Hmm, I have nothing to say in terms of his music. It's barely a song for me, to be honest. I find it very hard to remember. Um, in terms of the narrative, I just find it amazing how the American side can still make an argument out of this. Mm. I am so underwhelmed by the song. I think it's obviously supposed to mirror the chess game that happened just before it, but in a political arena, just mm. like similar to what we discussed earlier about the need for creating chess game in the first place because of the show- showcasing of the war um, between the brothers in India. So I think that was the rationale behind us, but... And that makes sense considering like it also has the same music underlying the song as the um the history of chess Mm -hmm. but i wasn't all that impressed by the politicking done in the song and in this musical as a whole in the first place like even less so by how obvious the comparison is or the comparison they're trying to make it is and to tie it all together i just also wasn't all that sold on the melody so this song really didn't work for me Mm Okay, now we have Florence and Molokov plus 1956. Budapest is writhing. Okay, here again. I feel like Florence and Molokov is so similar to the last song. Yeah. I, I guess this number is just naturally pretty much the same, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And 90, 1956, Budapest is rising. It's just, I don't know. I feel like they could do more in terms of the music here. I get that her vocal is very powerful here and you yeah. can see how just how much of an asshole Freddy is yes. and he's so aggressive. I didn't like him at all. No. Um, and by this point, I'm like, all right, I'm so done. I love you, Roger, but then you're such an asshole in here. And he didn't even reach peak assholeness at this point. Like, yeah. I think his peak assholeness is going to come in Florence Quits, where he's horrific. <laughs> but... In my opinion, um, this is an issue I have with the musical as a whole, but the characters feel really paper thin and their motivation, wants and needs feel very superficial and unreal to me. So like, for example, why is Freddy so antagonistic towards the Soviet to the point where this is pretty much one of his biggest defining characteristics? We never find out. There are so many other issues with um, really critical things to know about the characters that we never figure out and they never tell us like there are some things we need to see in order to be able to sympathize with the characters understand where they're coming from and really relate to them for example like what are Florence's motivation in staying in this toxic work position for seven years like is it because as a woman at her time her position affords her more power that she can find anywhere else is it for the love of the game like they suggest is it because of Freddie I don't think we have nearly as clear of an understanding about like what's going on, even though on paper they keep saying her passion is chess later on, but I really don't see it in any sort of involvement that she had. Like all of her involvement is mainly political or romantic. And I want them to show it to me because otherwise I find it so unconvincing and I don't understand what she's doing in the first place. The song itself is actually great. Like I think Idina Menzel and Adam Pascal work so well together and have such a fantastic chemistry. They really sell me on this number. And I think the song also serves to showcase Freddie's personality as being really difficult and manipulative as person, considering he stoops low enough to bring her dad into this. So that aspects work really well in terms of like any other character. Freddie's personality and who he is is crystal clear and it's probably the most successful part of the musical in showing 
his characterization and the personalities and everything around it. Like, and if this is your high point, I think it's a little bit concerning about what else you have to give us because Freddie becomes less and less relevant as the musical progresses too. And- That's actually something that also my criticism of this is that I think the first act gives you that really good balance and tension between the three characters. Yeah. But then act two, it's just all about Anatoly. Exactly. And Freddie is like taken out of the picture almost entirely. And yeah. this is such a shame. I feel like if they focus on their rivalry slash sort of friendship-ish, that would be so much more interesting to explore their relationship with each other and how that symbolizes like the political relationship between US and USSR at the time. Exactly. But yeah, but choosing to focus on just one character really takes away the focus on that and it becomes something entirely different. Exactly. And I think I'm not sure if they are because if they are they're not doing it successfully at all, but they could have used the characters to be allegorical to the conflict itself. Something like The Legend of Paul and Paula if you're familiar with that movie about like the East and West uh Germany. Mm-hmm. But they don't do that. I think that would have really helped tie together what's going on. Did you think yeah. they they shot for doing that? Because if that's the case, I'd be really shocked. I really want to believe that they try, but if that's they bizarre. did try, that it's a horrible attempt. Because if they're smart enough, they, they should go into that direction. Like yeah. It will be so much more interesting if they go into that direction and yeah. it tells you so much more about the characters the relationship with each other and just like their perception of who they are and things like that it mm-hmm. is so much more complex and there's a lot of room that you can work with but um but yeah I don't think so I think there's a lot of analysis that goes around saying that there are um some efforts in that but for me personally I did you read analysis believe- like that because I, I read one online. Okay, what did they say? I'm so curious. Because I cannot see how that would possibly work here. Like, Anatoly up until the act two is a very, like, I don't know, almost like they try to present him in a perfect light almost. Because he's, like, both a nice person and romantic and a great player and all that kind of well, stuff. Well, he I don't ditches know wife and kids, right? That is the only issue that they have here. But that's, Which like, I when he abdicates smart, to the West. Because they need mm-hmm. to make both characters imperfect so I feel like if anything and this is also similar to the analysis I read online is that they present both characters in both lights that they're not entirely good or bad that was clear yeah yeah, and and that's pretty much it and that's the thing like I feel like yes that's a good effort but like you can go Mm, maybe I I don't know I don't think that watching any character that is perfect would be enjoyable. So having char- characters that have good and bad in them, I think is the bare necessity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, oh, I okay. mean, that's a good step, but then you can go further. Okay, because I feel like just that would not be an analysis of using them as allegories. And that's something that they really should have done, but I think there's no way you could convey them mm-hmm. as doing so in this musical, which is such a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about Nobody's Side? I like this song. <laughs> I agree. Um, it's very catchy for me. It's very yeah. emotional. And I think it's it speaks a lot of truth to, I guess, the theme of this musical. And yeah. as a singer, oh my God, amazing, amazing vocal. Um, yeah, so all in all, I enjoy the song. It's one of the two songs that I feel like I'm debating whether or not it's my favorite. So okay. pretty high on my list. 
Yeah, I can see. I also really, really enjoyed the song. So here, obviously, Florence sees the end of her partnership with Freddie. And from what I've seen on Genius, um, apparently this is like a theme for the entirety of the musical in terms of the characters, their motive, and the bigger players that are involved. Like everybody does exactly what is suitable to their best interest and they would switch position if necessary. So I don't know if it's necessarily accurate to every single aspect of the musical. For example, like Freddie switching at the 11th hour, having his redemption arc and decide to do something selfless and Florence not backstabbing Anatoly for her father. But there is some truth in a lot of people being selfish. And I think that's the collaboration with Molokov and Walter later on doing things that are good for their image or something they see as useful to them. So that's an interesting aspect of it. I obviously really, really enjoy Idina Menzel's vocals here. I think it's a fantastic song. It's something that I think was also conjured independently from this musical and worked into it but worked into it well unlike some other examples here because mm-hmm. I can see it as a standalone for anything at all like even just as an ABBA song I can see somebody there singing it as a standalone unrelated to anything yeah how about the mountain duet <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I honestly was so confused when I listened thank god to yeah thank god <laughs> I'm like what did I miss <laughs> Yeah. What happened? What just happened? Since when mm-hmm. the, these two people like each other to a point, like like I said, like they don't care if Freddie jumps off the mountain. <laughs> like what happened? Well, Florence, I understand. She was done with him. Like she was done with him and honestly good for her. And I mean, Freddie was always a dick to Anatoly anyway. So I also get that. Yeah. Okay. Maybe they share that common hatred of, yeah, of Freddie. <laughs> but how? The chemistry between them two? I don't know. I, I didn't get it at all. Did you? No, no. Thank goodness. I gotta say, the entire musical almost predicates on their relationship being convincing. And I just don't see it. I don't see it at all. I really don't. I mean, they look great together. They sound great together. But the chemistry for the character is just not there. And that is a huge, huge issue with the musical for something that takes so much screen time. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. <laughs> it's a summary. <laughs> I have nothing to say about chess game number two. Nope. Cool. Florence quits. Pity the child. Mm, man, Claire, I hate Freddie so much. I and, feel like uh, I'm hugely biased because his play by Adam and um and also, I might also like be biased coming. Mm-hmm. Oh. Because I hate Bobby Fisher. So. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, but go on. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, coming after listening to the song "Pity the Child," yeah, I feel like I have more "Pity the Child" number one or two, two, and okay, yes. um, I can tolerate him a little bit more. Hmm. So I actually rewatched this, I think maybe two times, just so that I can remember which number is what because. Oh. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. The dedication, Claire. Oh my god. I know, I know. Aren't you proud of me? I'm um, so proud of the queen. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like the second time I definitely have more patience with him. Mm. But the first time I was like, oh my god, what a dick. Like, can you just just cut it? Florence. Florence get also out of had there. a rough childhood though. She grew up without her dad. Okay. And, and she's not an asshole. 
Last I checked. Last I checked. He, I mean, there are a lot of people with rough childhoods and I understand the, how that motivates them to act. I understand why it would change their behavior. And I also feel sympathetic to that. But just because you had a rough childhood doesn't mean you can't break the cycle and make good um, decisions. It's harder. I agree. Mm -hmm. And it can be very, very frustrating, but him having a rough childhood would be an explanation of why he's acting the way he is, but it's not um, an excuse. Mm-hmm. in my opinion especially since we have Florence right here who is having it all together and she's doing her best and she's being polite to people and she's not throwing antics all over the place mm-hmm. so yeah this is the point where I hate where I hate Freddie the most <laughs> and I think even though obviously the emotion itself is a negative emotion any song that makes me feel something so distinct I think is pretty good like I would definitely give it a thumbs up just for that this is just connecting back to another instant with what I was saying before like why is Florence Freddie's weakness for example what does she contribute to him besides publicity like why is he so attached to her what made her stay for seven years with presumably the same type of behavior but made her leave specifically now I have so so many questions that haven't been answered. I'm just so disappointed by how unclear the musical is with its story and characters. Because when I first learned about this musical, I was so excited for it. Like literally, I was trying to push for it three times. And I thought it would be something that we both would enjoy so much because of the chess and politics and all that kind of stuff. And instead, I got this janky love triangle with paper thin characters and unexplored motivation. I'm so frustrated by this. Another issue that I have with this sequence is what we talked about. So in Act 2, before his redemption arc, Freddie has like a song describing his familial background and exploring why he became the person he is now, which is Petey the Child number 2. I personally would have moved that song up here instead to make it more impactful and strengthen our bond to Freddie. In here, he just sounds sorry for himself and make him even more despicable somehow than even the scene before. The, The... way that it's arranged is really off. I think it's very necessary for us to have PDD Child number two here instead because we need to understand and sympathize with Freddie going and moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about Embassy Lament? I honestly have nothing to say. Yeah. I yeah. think it's just another song describing the scenery without much yeah. bearing on the plot. Exactly. How about Heaven Help My Heart? Well, I want to say it's a beautiful song, but to be honest, it's less memorable to me. I feel like she has better solos. I would cut the song completely from the musical. Yeah, me too. There are so many unnecessary songs here, as I was just saying. It's just, there are also just a lot of unnecessary solos and all of the unnecessary solos almost are Florence's. Um, Anatoly in the press, I have nothing to say. Yeah, nothing. And now to, I guess, your favorite anthem. Well, like I was saying, I was picking between this one and nobody's side, right? And? So, what do you mean, and? You were picking between them, and? And that's it. No. Yes. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> I want to say, though, that I really enjoy his lower range. I feel yes. like he's so, so good. When we it. cover Natasha Fear and the Grey Comet, he has mm-hmm. one of the lowest notes ever. Like, it's really, really, really low. You're going to love it. Okay. Okay. I look forward to that yes yeah and in terms of the narrative value of the song i feel like in the context of this play the singer is singing about a specific country Mm -hmm. but then 
the text is moving for anyone with a homeland, really. Yeah. But I do find it being a little bit weird as an at one closer, though. Yes. As nice as this song is, it speaks nothing on the other two important characters, Freddie and Florence, and it speaks very little on their relationship, which I think is should be the focus of the musical because mm-hmm. it symbolizes the relationship between the two nations. So I don't really know why they chose this app on closer. I think maybe it's because it's a powerful number, and yes, it is. Like anything that comes after this is probably not going to be. Musically powerful to be an at one closer, but then it's just the context of the song was so random. <laughs> yeah, um, I do want to give them the credit of having a very lovely choice of the title because it implies that his devotion that goes beyond political boundaries, and that is something that will be echoed in the finale by Florence again. So I do appreciate that. I just feel like narratively, I hope that they have something that is more relevant to the three of them. Mm-hmm, for sure, I agree with you. I think it's also a very, very sweet song. But have you watched the musical version of Anastasia? No. Have you watched the cartoon version of Anastasia? Nope. Oh, okay, okay. That the cartoon version has nothing to do with it. It's just in the okay. musical. But I was curious. Okay. Um, there is a song in the musical version of Anastasia called "Stay, I Pray You," and it. Anastasia also takes place in Russia, by the way. And it's the musical specifically takes place right after the communist revolution. And I think it has a very similar sentiment. And in Anastasia, they did it a lot better. That being said, even though they're very similar, there are some differences. And I think there are merits to the song here and the choice to end on a sweeter song for act one and mirrored later with the act two closer in a very different context is interesting. I'm assuming they did that to put the political conflict front and center, which is okay as an act one finale, but it's not stellar. And I think if there wasn't like the huge grandiose orchestration and choir behind it, it would feel even more toothless and would really have no place as a closer, to Mm -hmm. be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Should we move into act two? Yeah. What a tonal shift. Let's talk about Golden Bangkok and One Night in Bangkok. So it gives me actually a weird Miss Saigon vibe. Yeah. I didn't really enjoy the song, to be honest. And I feel like it has a lot to do with my personal taste because I don't really like rapping or or talking. And it has a lot of that in the Mm -hmm. song. So it was more like on the okay side for me. Yeah, but I think it it, it shows Freddie's character and also like the the image of USA at the time pretty pretty well though. Like how mm-hmm. it was like very shiny on the outside, like I'm here to educate your uncivilized people, <laughs> that sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. And um pretty shallow. This song, as you mentioned, features like an early form of rap, white rap in particular, on top of everything. Mm-hmm. And that's like Adam Pascal's vocal, so like Freddie. And then on top of that, it has like the background ensemble, which is more like new age, almost song music features. And no offense, but I don't know, this is not the kind of association I have with Bangkok as a city. And it's really, really totally different from anything in the musical so far. So it doesn't even mark a new tone for the rest of the musical, anything that preceded it. So it makes absolutely no sense as a musical number in this musical. One more opponent plus you and I. 
Oh my god, I feel horrible saying this, but I also don't like the song. Yeah. To me, it's hardly a song, really. Narratively, I also don't really get it. The thing is, they make the love triangle seems like a big deal in this number and be like, oh, Anatoly is so distracted because uh, Freddy is here and he's so worried that he's going to like win Florence back or whatever. But it was never mentioned afterwards. Maybe they hint on, oh, Freddie wants Florence to get back to him. But then it's not like it's very clear whether or not he still has feelings for him, for her. And um, the whole love triangle thing was just kind of just just there. And yeah. act two, it's all about just Anatoly's choice. And that choice is just very repetitive to the point like because everybody yes. else spends most of their time trying to convincing of a choice to make or just passively reflecting on their own situation and there's not much of a new situation new decision new tension new challenges to show really mm-hmm. it's just about one thing and one thing only and the fact that it made the triangle thing seems like a thing and this number bothers me too because it's not a thing and yeah. why pretend to be like a thing when you're not planning on exploring or like speak more on that it just kind of just left it there I know what you mean exactly like act two all in all is very disappointing and all the different opportunities like you mentioned that they had in act one are completely closed off and they decide to open like a new chapter as if this is a completely different musical than what it was before and suddenly this is like a family drama about Florence and then Anatoly and their relationship and their families respectively it's so bizarre uh in terms of this song this is clearly a mirror of Act One using the introduction song of Florence and Freddie for Florence and Anatoly instead, which is really interesting because I think it shows showcases how much better they work as a team compared to Florence and Freddie because Anatoly got Florence's part and actually Florence also got her part, so they both share it. And that kind of shows they're more compatible as people, I think. And apart from that, for you and I, they're using the romantic duet from season one, the mountain one in a way and I still find it equally and the same level of uncompelling as it was before I'm just really not convinced of their love but I do think they work really well as a team better like that Mm -hmm. I can see Mm -hmm. how about the Soviet machine again (laughs) I don't know maybe we should cut that part (laughs) I absolutely did not have absolutely nothing (laughs) to say about the current state of affair but I really really like the song because I enjoy Molokov in particular because as the actor I think his name is David Bedella bless his soul he looks like he's having so much fun in the role there is always like a twinkle in his eye every time he's on stage it's just so heartening to see how much fun he's having so that really pushes up all the numbers that he has like the top of my list and it features the song itself like a snippet from dangerous and difficult time melody wise and of course that's my favorite song I really really like it so this one is also going to be a song I would enjoy yeah, I agree. Musically, this song is easily one of the best songs in the yeah. show. It's just so enjoyable. I agree with you. I think the guy who plays Markov is so good. He has all these like really great facial expressions. Yes. And like you said, he looks like he's really having a good time. He's enjoying his um his numbers so, so much. It's just so funny, like so enjoyable. I feel like these kind of performances, the perfect balance between mm-hmm. the seriousness and you know how it can keep you going emotionally. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it too. I think it would definitely be my maybe top five. 
Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, yeah. that's so funny because we have like all these like kings and queens of Broadway here. We have like um, Josh Groban, Idina Menzel, Adam Pascal, all of them like really, really well known. And yet the person who I love seeing the most in the role is like Molokov, David Badella, <laughs> which I never heard of before. And I tried to look into like his Wikipedia and he doesn't have like his picture prominently placed like all the rest of them. So honestly, real MVP here for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about the interview? I think it's a very interesting song. I love mm-hmm. the tension between the two of them. So like yes. I said, I wish that there is more of that. Yes. And I also love how the body language is really showing their mental state. Because <laughs> you can see Freddie sits very straight and Anatoly is kind of leaning forward. and He's looking disturbed or a little bit annoyed. And I also saw someone pointed out that one of the reasons Freddie is so, I guess, harsh or uh, of Anatoly in the song is because of his own issues or his childhood that makes him very disapproving of fathers who abandon their children and I thought that's a brilliant observation that is yeah I never thought of it that way and I also think that it not only captures the tensions between the two characters really well it also kind of indirectly hints on the reason why Anatoly makes the choice eventually I think so the first time I watched this I didn't really get it but a second time, with the help of some like internet analysis, um, <laughs> I came to understand like why Anatoly was so affected or disturbed when he saw the video of his family being mm-hmm. played. Because I don't know if you also get it the same way that, that this person did, but apparently, <laughs> according to this internet genius, that his entire family is in USSR and is under government's watch right so it's impossible for an american news network to get their hands on any footage of them unless the soviet government gave it to them so it's kind of like the footage is um standing up to him and be like you think america's is on your side no like they're working with us and that's why you need to give up like right now because there's no point in fighting there's nobody is really on your side so i never really see it that way and i thought like oh my god that it's so right. <laughs> That's and, brilliant. Yeah, right? It's, it speaks so much about the political struggle and just how powerless one individual really is in terms of when you're torn between the tension and conflict between two nations. Yeah, for sure. That is actually much better than what I had to say about this. <laughs> Um, I just wanted to say that I love, 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 love the low notes in the beginning uh, that Walter sang. I always enjoy low notes. I think you also mentioned that the low notes um, by Josh Groban is something that you liked. And this is another way to highlight them. And I think this really has Freddie in his element of being a little shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, being a shit, sorry, in his or the musical's word. Um, that being said, Freddie not being involved in the chess tournament or like the ongoing of the chess game makes absolutely no sense narratively to me so that's my low point regarding this now we get to Svetlana someone else's story very absurd weird character introduction like ma'am I don't know you I don't care about you why are you spilling your heart out to me because this is like such a moving emotional song it is out of nowhere in a character we just literally just met and it gives me like definitely vibes of a ballad that was written as a standalone song and was snuck here clandestinely because the creator thought it was strong 
for example, memory from Cat, but done so a lot less skillfully. I want uh-huh. to say, uh-huh. don't you feel like in terms of the lyrics and everything, it doesn't really feel like her song and it feels more like Florence's? Mm, yeah because for me I can totally see the song coming from her perspective I agree I I don't think Florence necessarily needs another song but it just doesn't feel right what now that you say this I 100% agree I can totally say it and I think it will strengthen narratively because they say her chess is her passion so they could have converted that to someone else's story as her not being involved in the actual game and like what's going on there maybe because like of a feminist perspective of women not being as involved in it at this time stuff like that or just like having to live vicariously um through people to be close to the game that would have been so much more compelling i'm mm-hmm. all in favor of what you suggested thank you yeah apart from that if they convert it definitely relevant but this is like the quintessential example of not only unnecessary ensemble songs but also a lot of unnecessary arias and solos it's a really a lovely song but completely wasted in here because we don't give a shit about the character like just cut it out how about the deal no deal um i think again it has a good emotional tension between the characters but i feel like it's a little bit lacking I, I don't know. Maybe, first of all, this number is long. It's 10 so, minutes long. Yeah, it's super long. I understand that we are supposed to see a lot of things happening here. A lot of conflicts, a lot of convincing, a lot of talks, conversations, whatnot. Yeah. But because it is 10 minutes long, you start losing focus on like what it is should be about. Yeah. Other than that, I do feel like it depicts the political mind game pretty well. And it yeah. shows you each character's motivation. But the story-wise is just so bad. Like the dad exchange mm-hmm. is so out of nowhere too. Like, yeah. why should we care? Yeah, 100%. I just want to say before everything... Arbiter, I missed you so much. You're the only <laughs> one here I respect. Thank God you came back. Also, something for a very minor character besides the Arbiter. I really love Svetlana's ra- like rage here. This actress is so good at communicating all of her anger, which is super interesting because she's essentially a puppet here. And I think her rage also con- like conveys that she is frustrated by the situation itself she has a lot of pressure on her not only on herself but also her family she was literally threatened and she also sings Anatoly's conflict from act one and I'm not sure I understand the significance of this if I'm honest in terms of like the disorganization in the plot just to like try to script doctor it a little bit they could have combined Freddie's and Anatoly's conversation during the interview Uh, with this one so Anatoly could have stormed out and Freddie could have chased him after that and then they would have this kind of like deal no deal starting from there after Anatoly refuses Freddie could have immediately moved on to Florence and that way they can cut out Svetlana's character completely and shorten the runtime and they could have had Walter appealing to Florence right after the Soviet machine where we hear about the deal in the first place so I think like just having these three no deals is more than enough to convey the point they don't need any more like I think they have like five no deals here five times of it being refused and just like compiling them all when I was um summarizing the plot that felt like just a huge chunk of just appeal no deal appeal no deal appeal no deal so on and so forth it's just repetitive for no reason mm-hmm. how about pity the child too i'm sure you have a lot to say about it i say everything that i had to say about 
pity the child two and pity the child one but if you have anything to add go for it now's your time oh I just really like it mm-hmm. like usually I would prefer this kind of character background story song to come earlier but yes. I feel like because we spend majority of the show knowing and seeing what an asshole he is it hits harder when when the song comes and the vocally song. Adam's vocal is just so good and that last line was so sad his 23 seconds five notes of who in a single breath mm-hmm. it's just so breathtaking to tears it's so heartbreaking no pun intended yeah no pun intended <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it gives Freddie so much more humanity and personality. It's just amazing, amazing how yeah. all of this was able to be achieved in just one song. Mm-hmm. That's good. Since I already said that I have nothing to add, <laughs> let's mm-hmm. go to I Know Her So Well. Um, this is what I was referring to with the other Miss Saigon number. So before I say anything about that, just cut the song out. It's unnecessary. Florence has a lot of unnecessary solos. She has an unnecessary duet now. I feel like they literally watched Miss Saigon and then decided to add this because they are so shooting for, I still believe, for Miss Saigon. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost identical I think it's bizarre I feel like I would enjoy watching them interact and I just wish that they have some sort of verbal interaction yeah because it is a pleasure to listen to them both in a song but it's just it was given so little context that uh, I don't know I just wish that it was incorporated into a scene where the two of them actually met and interacted. Yeah, I agree. Um, how about talking chess? Um, so it's also an interesting song because it uses the similarity as when Florence and Anatoly started to accept and understand each other. Studying romance? Question mark. <laughs> wink, wink. I don't know. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but other than that, I don't really have too much to say. I do agree with Fred in the song, though. I also noticed that they used the love duet, which I thought was really interesting for mm-hmm. Freddie's redemption arc. But I have to say, this is coming back to the characters and their motivation. It really comes out of nowhere. So Anatoly, I got to say, I also don't understand why Freddie is helping you. We really don't see Freddie caring about chess much until now. All of his songs and focus um, <laughs> and mentality is kind of like money, publicity, fame, feeling sorry for myself, all these kind of like mindsets. And out of nowhere now we have, oh, I really care about the game. I care about Maybe chess. Maybe from Pity the Child when he was like, nobody really cares about like what I can do. And maybe that's why he never really cared too much about chess itself is more like what can I make out of it because that nobody around cared um but obviously like this is supposed to be a direct consequence but it's really out of nowhere it's a very rushed redemption arc you know how whenever a redemption arc to a villain quote-unquote is happening you always compare it to like Zuko's redemption arc this one gets like a very very low score to Zuko redemption arc fair enough um okay how about endgame so endgame is like chess one to three I believe or end game one to three. I really don't have too much to say, to be honest. I think yeah. it's quite messy. I do want to say, though, that the costume was pretty clever because we have Anatoly and his wife, I can pronounce their name, dressed Sivana. in black. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're dressed in black on yeah. their side of the chessboard. And Freddie, of course, is always white. And Florence is black both, and white. Yeah, black and white. So I thought it was pretty clever, but that's it. Mm-hmm. 
I did not enjoy the costuming in here, except for the fact that I really like. No, I mean, I like the color, but oh, the color, not yeah. the look. Yeah. 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 Um, I really, really enjoy Endgame One. So the song is absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely unnecessary, of course, but absolutely gorgeous. And as a musical piece alone, this probably would have easily been my favorite, but it's just so unnecessary to the story itself. So it definitely mm-hmm. doesn't feature there. Um, that being said, I still obviously personally love it. It gives me chills every single time I listen to it. Uh, did you watch The Planets by, sorry, watch. Did you listen to The Planets by Gustav Holst? Nope. Okay, it's like a really, really beautiful piece. Uh, if you listen to it, I think a lot of modern movie scores would sound very like similar to this because I feel like a lot of them take inspiration from this. Um, but it's a musical piece for all the nine planets. I think Pluto is still one of them. It was like uh, composed in like 1914 or something like that. So um, early 20th century. And there is this uh, piece for Saturn, Saturn, which I think is very, very similar to Endgame 1. So yeah, despite it being completely unnecessary, I would personally fight tooth and nail to keep it if I were the creator, just because it's so lovely. I have absolutely nothing to say about the other two Endgames, but I do love the progression in Endgame number three. And I also think it's very out of character for Florence, whose motivation is supposed to be her passion for the game of chess. Like she out of nowhere has a lot of animosity to Anatoly. And where is this coming from? I really don't get it at all. Like the only way I can rationalize it is by thinking like Anatoly is imagining all these conflicting desires of people. He was close to speaking to him all at once. So apart from that, I can't visualize or imagine where is this coming from. Um, But I do appreciate this is like the very, very last. All we got from Anatoly uh, flaws before is like leaving his wife and kid behind. And in here, Anatoly is painted as selfish and heartless. And it gives him slightly more depth and connects him to Freddy, making it full circle a little bit more just as players. So I think it works on that aspect. But I do agree with you. Even for me, it was a little bit messy. Mm -hmm. Okay, I have them all grouped together because it's the finale, but you and I reprise Walter and Florence and Anthem reprised. I just want to say that the finale is really depressing for me. Yeah. It's such a depressing ending, super heartbreaking. Honestly, I feel like it's more upsetting than having someone dead or something because you just really feel how powerless people are. And like I said, when you're just one individual, but in this grand scheme of things, there's really not much you can do. Like everyone is just being played pretty much. And that feeling of and helplessness is, I don't know, is, is really emotional. And I feel like like Florence did such a good job here. Um, that finale though, it was really good for me, but I don't really have a lot of things to say in terms of the three songs musically though, do you? Do you want to come? Not much. I'd say I'm at this point, I'm really sick of their duets together. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't get how she called him selfish just a moment before. And now she sings lovingly at him. Just tell me how it makes any sense. And yeah, I don't know. This I don't have much to say about the song themselves, especially considering two of them are praises. But that's okay. Do you want to combine this with our final thoughts, or just like let's say, oh, you know, we're moving into our final thoughts at this point? Oh, um, I sort of already, I think, said. Oh, most you combine them my... yourself? Yeah. Okay, okay. Cool, sorry, cool. I will combine with mine. Sorry, I wasn't. I wasn't clear on if no, it was no, or no, not. No. Um. So yeah, as I mentioned. 
I think twice already. I was really excited to do this episode and I was trying to push for it several times. So I was really absolutely giddy with this one taking off. And obviously there was the miss of the timing of it all, but uh, I was expecting some complex political narrative about strategy and just like motivations, tragic flaws. I got none of that. I got jambled characters with very little personality, very superficial investigation of the Cold War and little to no chess whatsoever. And this was especially gutting because like the whole reasoning for having this musical is to explore the Cold War. And I don't think they did it in a satisfactory way. And this is doubly disappointing because this was supposed to be based very, very loosely, as I said in the beginning, like very, very, very loosely on the match between uh, Spassky and Fisher. And just having that match alone played like faithfully would have been so interesting in and of itself. Um, so like the only reminiscence of this is just Freddie's character, which is similar to Fisher. And um, I think that's really tragic because picture this as a result of that match, which Fisher won. Um, America, for the first time ever, won a chess championship. And also, as a result of that match, the USSR lost for the first time in almost a quarter of a century. So it's a real David versus Goliath story, and they completely let it go in favor of a toothless romantic triangle. So that is really, really frustrating. And to add insult to the injury here, the music is full of unnecessary ensemble and solos and is very hit or miss with the quality of the songs themselves. That being said, the songs that were hit were really, really strong, like exceptionally strong. And the actors and singers were all top notch. Like we mentioned several times how amazing the cast is. And moving forward I just I can only hope that this musical would embolden other creators to tell more compelling stories featuring these themes and topics because I would love to see something that delves a little bit more into it and the psychological aspect of it all so yeah um should we do this quiz is unhinged okay it's a personality quiz but it's called chess musical times coded no 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 this is x coded oh x coded (laughs) I had to look this up. That's why. That's why I know this. I had no idea. So I, from what I gather, X-coded Y girl is a Tumblr meme that I fortunately was not present or did not see before. X-coded is apparently what you project and Y girl is what you are. People who are involved in the Tumblr meme, maybe you can tell us, but essentially X is what you communicate to others and Y is what you're drawn to as a person. Okay, so if this is chess related, I need to have at least one chess question. So uh, which side do you usually play slash would play? Either one, I'm not a weirdo, Uh, but the options are white, black, I will never play chess in my life. (laughs) Do not talk to me. Either one, I'm not a weirdo if I do learn chess. (laughs) Obligatory favorite color question. Red, white, black, pink, purple, green, yellow, blue, orange. Black. Blue. What do you value most in life? Success, money, love, friendship, catching a fucking break, pissing everyone off. Love. Same. What is your biggest fear, shoddy? (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, Being alone, being a failure, falling, being left. I'm guessing there is a word missing there. Death, mm-hmm. being broke, shouting, but not being heard. Hmm. Is being alone, like, meaning, like, no social, no family, nothing like that? Maybe being alone, then. I'll say being left. Okay. <laughs> what does that mean? Can you interpret it for me? 
like you're being left by yourself, kind of. So I guess it's quite similar to being alone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What else can I psychologically profile you with? Hmm. How do you respond when pointed to a mistake you made? All right. I'll make sure to do better next time. Oh, I could have sworn I did everything right. Okay. Break down crying. Fuck you. I'm correct. How can I make it up to you? God, what did I expect it? Why did I expect it to be correct? God, why did I expect it to be correct? <laughs> I guess I'm all of them, depending on the situation. But if it's the initial one, it's all right. I'll make sure to do better next time. Okay. Pick a drink. Red wine, white wine. You're a red wine person, I guess. Vodka, energy drink, tea, coffee, water. Which one of them is your favorite? Because I know you got into wine and I couldn't... White. Like, okay, white. Yeah. Okay. But I'm almost positive you'll pick tea. Yeah, I'll pick tea. Okay. I think I'll pick coffee then. <laughs> What's your favorite Tumblr related thing? Uh, I don't think you've ever been on Tumblr. No. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, Hamilton HIV pathological liar scandal, super hulak, oncest, dash con, all or nothing, that fucking bear cartoon, homestuck sharpie bath. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to imagine the, like these from your perspective. Like it sounds probably like I'm, I'm so having confused. an aneurysm. Yeah. And then yeah. the last one is why do you assume I know this? I have taken physical damage from this question. Yeah, that's me. I know pretty much all of these. But I'm still going to pick the same one as you did because I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I, will tell, I will not tell you to pick a lyric as I am not a sadist yet, but do pick a hosier song. The only one I know is Take Me to Church. So none of these apply to me, but Wasteland Baby, like real people do, work song, Angel of Small Death and the Coding Scene, In the Woods, From Eden, Almost Sweet Music. I don't know anything. Neither do I. I'm going to pick In the Woods because it reminds me of Into the Woods, which is the most musical related stuff I can see here. Uh, I'll pick Work Song because I work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> pick a picture from my reaction folder. Uh, so we have one from Always Sunny, uh, Cody Co. Kisses You Softly, Broken Ass Marriage, Ominous Fnuff Looking Man, Miku Tells You You're Ugly, Me Too Buddy, Poetry, Crazy Gay Sex. Miku Tells You're Ugly. <laughs> I, I think I'll go with poetry. Tell me your sun sign. Is your sun sign like your month? I think so. Okay, cool. Because I don't know when exactly I was born, so I could never do the full chart. But Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer. Well, you know the signs. Yeah. I'm a Taurus, <laughs> you're a Cancer. Yep. All right. I got Florence, Coded, Anatoly Girl. I got exactly the opposite of you, but read, really? read on. <laughs> It's like, you know, you're not in the best state, but do you want to change anything? Hell no. You also need to like chill. Don't sacrifice yourself. Okay, cool. So from my understanding, what it says is you're projecting Florence, but you're actually Anatoly, or you're drawn to Anatoly. What I got is I'm projecting Anatoly and I'm drawn to Florence based on what my understanding is of the meme. Um, the blurb on mine is bestie, I'm afraid to tell you this, but you get pegged. <laughs> you also feel like even though you are immensely talented, your partner is like way more talented than you. Big depression moment. Yikes. Do you see what I mean with this quiz being unhinged? I have no idea what, what is going on here. But this is the only thing I could find about chess that is not like a trivia quiz. And I took one of those trivia quizzes, let me tell you. They asked me to like spell out all these Swedish names. 
and the original London cast. I don't know this. I would never mention it in the episode. This is even worse than the time we took. Was it for Holy Musical Batman and we both got a decent score? Like this one is is hard. I did not get a decent score. but You got a decent. I think you got like a 60 or something, didn't you? That's decent. That's a pass. Sure. And I think you even mentioned like, oh, if I got this squares, uh, like score on a quiz, I'll be thrilled or something like that in school. So hmm. anyway, <laughs> this is all for today's episode. Should we do the final ranking? Yes, please. Okay. Drum roll, please. I will give it six. Mm. Actually, 5.5. Mm. Mm. Wait, <laughs> no, let's stick with six. Okay. Six out of 10 pockets. Uh-huh. Do you pocket. know why? Because yeah. uh because Florence dress in act two. Yes. So nice. So nice. Yeah. As soon as you said Florence, I was like, I understand. Yes. <laughs> um I'm gonna give it five out of ten final anime bosses. There you have it. <laughs> final <laughs> ranking. If you wanna discuss with us the final ranking, if you wanna shout at us for going with the 2008 version that is more British leaning rather than the American version, you can do all that and more and even talk to us about previous episodes or recommend us new one on our social media. It's Podway Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit. And if you're not a social media person, that's totally okay. You can reach us via email at podwaypodcast at gmail.com. As an aside, we would really, really appreciate it if you guys could leave us a review. Let us know what you guys think. We appreciate feedback throughout the entirety of the process. It could really help us out figuring what sticks, what doesn't. And it can also help other people find it. So if you can do that, we would really appreciate it. Uh, So I think that is it from us. Thank you so much for listening and bye. Bye.